The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. Well, as you're making your way back to your seats, uh, make sure you get one of these little twist tie things. Or uh, If anyone needs another one, just kind of throw your hand up, and I'm sure Abel would be glad to get you one, or there's some right here. In fact, I'll put them on the front row, some of them, so you can grab them there if you want. Ah. Well, we are just entering the second week of a brand new series we started last week. Uh, uh, Pastor Scott kicked it off. A series tackling or trying to understand this idea of being healthy and missional as individuals and as a church. And the way we're doing that is we're spending a good amount of time, May and June, in the book of Ephesians, which uh, is this wonderful primer in many ways for what it means to be those kind of people, that kind of church that exhibits both health and mission. And Scott talked about last week how really those, those just feed into each other. You can't really have one without the other, and there's a, a great feedback loop with that. Um, but that question I had you guys uh, maybe share, what was the question that said, uh, what is something you made, created, or worked on that you were particularly proud of? Uh, anyone recognize that question from another context? That It's okay if you don't. It's actually the opening question that we use on the very first um, night of our Journey Together membership course. We actually ask that question somewhat as an icebreaker, but also as a very subversive way to start getting this idea in there of, of how this church came into being, what we see as our mission, how God has called us to, uh, to live out the gospel of Christ here in Rochester and see that impact things clear around the world. And it speaks to this idea that people are naturally creative. Some might even say we're created to be creative. I even bet that some of you, in the very short amount of time you've had these things in your hand, have already twisted it into some shape or form, whether abstract or, you know, a little creature or something, that even without knowing it, you've already been trying to do something. There's there's a perfectly, you know, a rigor mortis snake over there um, that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I believe you. <laughs> so, um, so what I want you to do as we're getting started here is just make a little human figure. Uh, we're not going to do any you know, sort of voodoo or stuff like that. It's not that kind of church. Um, but go ahead and make a, just a little person there. And, uh, and uh, just so you at least have one friend with you, right? Even if it's imaginary. Uh, go ahead and do that. And what we're going to talk about is sort of the premise of what we're looking at today is this idea that how we're created, how God has created us, you know, and shaped and formed us, and then what we create, what we shape and form, is actually integral to what it means to be healthy and missional as people of God. That the theology and implication of all those things, of God as creator and us participating in that, impacts that idea pretty heavily. And so what we're going to do is continue our exploration and application 
of the book of Ephesians. And so if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, that's where we'll begin. If you're using the Red Bibles, we're going to be on page 949. Ephesians chapter 2. And so what we want to do is begin by, by framing what really is the problem with this idea of being healthy and missional. So we want to frame the problem. It's there in Ephesians chapter 2. We'll just start with verses 1 through 3. And if you want to set your little guy there on the, the corner of your Bible, that's okay too. <laughs> or on your neighbor's shoulder, um, whatever works. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And it actually begins with the opposite of healthy and missional, as it frames the problem. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to the, to the churches there in Ephesus, and by extension to us, the church of Artisan here in Rochester. He says, you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived. Following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. So we're starting on a happy note. (laughs) It's so not really encouraging words at first. But when we talk about being healthy and missional as people and as we gather in a community as a church, it's really important to start with that sober realization that that is not the natural state of things. That doesn't just happen naturally. We don't stumble into being healthy. We don't just wake up one day and we're missional. We don't gather into groups of people and, and live those things out normally naturally, that in fact, uh, apart from some outside intervention, being healthy and missional is kind of an anomaly. Now, what are some of the words that Paul uses there that, again, are very much the opposite of of what we're hoping to, to be and become? He says, dead, dead. If you're dead, you have a health issue, right? That's, that's a, that's a lack of health to say the least. And Paul's talking there about the spiritual reality of a relationship that is non-existent between ourselves and God and and really how that works itself out in all other areas of our life, that there's a lack of life there. And so being healthy, uh, not the natural state of things. But what about the missional piece? Notice he says there in, in the middle, following the course of this world. And so all of us are going somewhere. Just some of us are going somewhere on purpose, and others of us are going somewhere just because it's the the normal course of events. That's sort of the easy path of least resistance. It's not missional. Or if it has any kind of mission, it's somewhat non-missional or unmissional or anti-missional to what God would have. Then if anyone's feeling particularly bad, or as though they feel particularly good because this isn't really them, How does Paul finish it? He says, like everyone else. So this is a condition for all of us. I don't, that's cold comfort, I realize, but this is a natural state to be unhealthy, uh, add in unmissional, and then really, you end up with unchurch. Because apart from health and mission, you really can't have a church community. And so that frames the problem. It's a pretty significant problem. Pretty big problem to overcome. But, there's always, or hopefully, a but. 
verse 4 starts to get to that. And this, this but, whenever you come across that in Scripture, a therefore or yet or but, you really ought to pay attention to what's going to come next. Because even though we just framed the problem, this is the kind of the sad state of affairs, there's some hope. And so we begin to frame the solution. But. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 9. says that even though this is the normal way things happen, it doesn't have to be that way. Verse 4. But God. Not us figuring it out or working it out or getting it all right. But God who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, like that little guy you made there. Can you imagine laying down your life for your little pipe cleaner guy? Think about it. Even when we were dead through our trespasses, just a big word for sin and rebellion, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and, raised, and he raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own work doing. It is the gift of God. Not the result of works, so that no one may boast. So it's sort of like your little pipe cleaner guy coming alive, right? There's probably less distance between us and our pipe cleaner guy than between a holy, omnipotent God and who we are. You know, as we did that confessional prayer that Scott led us in. And yet, but... God comes down to our level, provides a solution. And that idea of God coming into our world, sending himself, um, there's this wonderful theological term, uh, missio dei, on the screen behind me. It's a Latin phrase that literally means the sending of God. So a couple connotations there, how God sends, but then how also, God himself is sent, that he sends himself. And what this concept gets across is that the idea of mission really derives from the very nature of God, that God is a missional God. So when we talk about being missional ourselves, of having a purpose that we seek to fulfill, we do that as people who who carry the image of God as people who are, yes, sent by God, but also follow God's example in Christ of being sent out. As the Father sent me, so I send you. And so it's, I think, helpful to realize, to sort of put it all in perspective, that it's not the church that has a mission, but it's really God's mission that has a church. Now, we shouldn't confuse uh, the order of things here. That, yes, there's a very real sense that we're called to do something. 
But we're not the Blues Brothers on a mission from God. (laughs) Well, this church gets pretty close. Uh, But that God has a mission. And through his grace, his sense of humor, all those attributes, the way he seeks to fulfill that mission is through you guys. Through those who have gone before and those who will come after. And so being healthy and being missional, that's how God sends us. And it's a bit sobering to realize there's no plan B. That how God seeks to fulfill his mission is always through his people. So, pretty straightforward so far. Frame this problem, that health and mission, those are not natural, you know, that's not our natural state. We tend to be a a very unhealthy, wandering, somewhat lost crew, apart from something intervening. There's the problem. And then framing the solution, but God, but God, even when we're in that state, enters in, sends himself to be amongst us and provide that solution. But we really want to complete the picture because that's just the framing. And God isn't interested in merely framing. He is a creator. He's an artisan with a capital A. And for all the framing that's done there, his desire is to fashion something to fill in that picture to restore some original artwork. And so in completing the picture, we turn to what is perhaps one of my favorite verses in Scripture, Ephesians 2.10. And this verse is actually the foundation verse for Artisan Church. This is the verse that, that if we had to pick just one, and fortunately we don't, we get to have the whole counsel of God, but this is the one that defines us from when we started some six years ago, you know, a couple groups of people coming together, to what we have done in the meantime, to even the new season we're entering now. This really shapes and describes who we wish to be. It's even where we get our name from. Artisan is inspired by this verse. So this is an important one. We're talking not just generically about being a healthy missional church, but what it means for artisan. It's a good verse to turn to. And so it simply says, as we complete the picture here, it says, for we are God's, excuse me, NRSV, for we are what he has made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. So that's the translation that we normally use, the New Revised Standard Version. Uh, some of you may have your own Bibles or be more familiar with the New International Version, NIV. Uh, I like some of the wording there as well, where it says, for we are God's workmanship. There's that sort of crafty artisan language there. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Or I particularly like one little section of the New Living Translation, which is a more idiomatic, uh, sort of modern English translation. 
That version says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. We are his masterpiece. Uh, so I just came up with the, the MUV version. Uh, which is the mashup version, where I just put all the best parts together that I like there. So we'll go with this one. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Rest there for a moment. I love that language. Now, this isn't about self-esteem and, you know, look how beautiful and wonderful we all are. Uh, This is about the artist. That's why these are masterpieces. Uh, It's who signed it. just like your little pipe cleaner guy didn't shape himself all together, ex nihilo out of nothing, neither did you. And so it's not about self-esteem, but I will say it's, it's about self-worth, about the incredible value God places on each person. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So it's sort of a shift now into what health looks like as it becomes mission. That this isn't the kind of artwork that just hangs on a wall. We aren't museum pieces. We're meant to be out there kind of getting you know, bent out of shape and, uh, and reconfigured and, and reshaped and, and all that stuff. To do good works, which God prepared in advance... I love how the NRSV phrases it, to be our way of life. And so one of the things that can happen when we talk about being missional, about about accomplishing something, doing what God calls us to do, we can fall into the mentality that, you know, I'm on a mission, mission accomplished, right? And it can become sort of a checklist idea that I went on the short-term mission trip, I serve once a month. I do little mission, big mission, but I just check them off. Instead, you can bring that verse back, Janine. Instead, the idea is it's to be our way of life. That the normal natural state of things, apart from Christ, is unhealthy and unmissional. Well, the opposite is true when Christ is in our lives. It's to be full of health. Which doesn't mean we're not wounded and healing, but health is happening and on a mission. And it's just part of our way of life. And so in essence, what I think God is calling us to be, if I can use a, uh, a loaded phrase here, is that he's asking us to be Saintly artisans. So last week, Pastor Scott talked about Christ being at the center. That really is where this begins. Now we're shifting towards how we frame this thing and filling in the picture. With Christ the center, what do we then look like? This idea of being saintly artisans. And so what comes to mind when you think of a saint? Maybe the uh, the little halo. So if you want, you can... uh, Unbend your guy there. And go ahead and make a halo out of your little, uh, little art supplies there.
So you may feel free to you know, hold it over your own head or, or your neighbor's, uh, whichever you're feeling there. But a halo, right, that indicates a holy person set apart. Um, but is there, is there any problem with these halos? Yours bent? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, Tim, your halo is bent. Uh, you know, apart from the, the narcissism, pathological or otherwise, that would have you make your own halo, um, let, me, let me throw up a picture here, an image on the screen. This is a mosaic of St. Theodora. I want to see if you notice something. Yes. So you have depicted there, it's actually four women, and Theodora's on the far left. In fact, I think, yeah, you can bring that, that first part up where it describes who they are. So it's Theodora, and then you have Mary, mother of Jesus, two over. And then on either side of Mary are these, uh, these two sisters, uh, and I'll butcher their name. Can you bring up the, the names there? Uh, yeah, those two. Praxidus and... Pudentiana, yeah, we'll just call her uh, Praxenti. Uh, and they were uh, believed to be, church tradition says they were the daughters of, of Pudens, uh, the guy in 2 Timothy 4.19. And tradition says they, those two women were leaders in the church. So Theodora, and kind of interesting, there's a little title scratched in there as well, Episcopa. She's on the far left. What do you notice different between those four? There's a square halo around Theodora. And go ahead and bend yours into a square. Because if you have a round halo, at least in Christian artwork, uh, it means you're dead. Now, don't get me wrong, it's a good kind of dead, not the kind we talked about to start with, but still, it's, it's not much earthly good kind of dead. We'll say that. And so, yeah, Mary, mother of Jesus... Yeah, she had passed on. She gets the circular halo. Those two sisters, who I believe, were martyred. They are. But Theodora, when this mosaic is, was created, was apparently still alive. And so this idea of a square halo, the difference is that it's not perfect. So if you know anything about kind of Hellenistic philosophy, which had some impact on how Christian theology was developed, some of the terminology. The idea of a, of a, of a circle was perfection. There's no, there's no bent corners or angles. There's no sharp pointy things to poke out an eye. It's just perfect. But a square, you can hurt someone with those, right? That's not quite shaped fully. It's still a work in progress. And so it's this wonderful concept. You'll see it's, it's somewhat rare, But when you come across a square halo, it indicates a still-living saint in progress. And so, if we're talking about being saintly artisans, in fact, if you're a craftsman at all, it's rare that a a circle is much good, but something with some straight lines and 90-degree angles, you can can work with that, right, Tim? You can put a door in. You can tear a door out. (laughs) Tim can do a lot of stuff. His halo's bent. Um, so, uh, So the picture for us, is not of perfection, not of some otherworldly distance from real life, but it's this square halo concept. 
of actually living in the real world. It's kind of a fun bit of trivia about this particular saint here. Um, you, you can leave that picture up. On the inscription there, it says Theodora Episcopo or Episcopa. And those are feminine endings. Though if you read very carefully, it looks like it just ends with Theodore because someone has crossed out, kind of scratched out the feminine ending there, though it's still obvious when you get close to mosaic, but on the screen you can't see it. Uh, anyone know what episcop- episcopa means? Anyone know your, that's Latin, but it's real close to the Greek? Anyone here from take seminary? <laughs> I did. Uh, it's, uh, it's where we get our word for bishop or overseer. So, so Dick Luco here in the Great Lakes Conference, he's our, he's our bishop. He's our episcopa, or in his case, episcopos. He would not appreciate the feminine ending. Uh, and so apparently, or possibly, this woman was a authority figure, a leader in the church. But of course, women can't be, so they had to scratch out the feminine ending there on the thing. Just fascinating. So even in spite of whatever barriers you may face, and I'm sure she did as a woman in that context, uh, we're called to live out this faith. Not perfect, uh, but certainly saints in progress. And so what does that leave for us to do? Assuming that it's a big assumption. Assuming that the health issues are taken care of, that, um, that our relationship with God is where it should be, that, that, that flows into how we relate to one another, how we love one another, that if those health issues are largely in place, then really what's left for us to do is just simply get to work. It's not a real complicated idea. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like. But here up front, these first couple weeks, it's just real simple stuff. It's not natural and normal, but it's fairly straightforward. And so we're to get to work, like Theodora did. And start accomplishing stuff. Start making things better. Because when we look at that passage there, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are God's craftsmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to just hang on a wall. No. To get to work. To do good work. Now, not the work that we might come up with on our own, but the things that he's prepared for us to do. Because remember, we're not on a mission for God. God's on a mission. And we get to join him. There's this great worship meditation rotating as as some of you guys came in earlier. It's from uh, Reinhold Niebuhr. He was a 20th century uh, pastor, kind of practical theologian, writer, 
kind of a tortured guy. He was just always full of angst. He was postmodern before postmodern was cool. Uh, he, he died in 71. Uh, so he got there early. But out of all this angst and struggle that he had as a pastor, trying to call the people that were in his care to be healthy and missional, as a follower of Jesus who struggled most days himself with being healthy and missional, uh, out of that struggle, he wrote some really profound stuff. And I love this quote from him. He says, most people lack imagination much more than they lack goodwill. If someone points out what can be done and what ought to be done, there is usually someone to do it. Again, this somewhat assumes that the health issues are addressed. But what it's saying is that the fact that we're not getting to work some days most days maybe, it's not a failure of will for most of us, though that comes into play. It's not a failure of good intentions because we are, we are filled with good intentions, aren't we? But more times than not, it's a failure of imagination. And as a church that's taken the name Artisan, you know, we don't get to have a failure of imagination. And so with Christ renewing our minds, we get to imagine not only what this church community could look like, but what Highland Park neighborhood that's here, what Swilbrook neighborhood, which is right there across the street, what Brighton, what Upper Monroe, South Wedge. We get to imagine what would happen if healthy people Wounded healers, let's be honest, but people experiencing health in Christ actually got to work. And as we begin to think those things and imagine the motivation, the will to do it, that seems to follow very naturally. You know, without a vision, the people perish. Once we have that vision, we come alive. And so this is pretty straightforward stuff. And I, I guess sort of the mindset I'm in as, as you know, I'm fast approaching uh, being done here as a pastor. Um, you know, sometime in the next couple months that looks like that's happening. I want to really encourage you guys to get to work. Not because you haven't been. In fact, we wouldn't be here today apart from God's grace just enabling and bringing alive a whole bunch of people. But I hope as Scott, your first ever lead pastor, you know, as we've now moving from this team of co-pastor idea, Mike, your associate pastor, say the whole word there, You better believe they'll set the example of hard work. They already have. But when they call us as a church here to get to work, I hope you'll respond. And so some of the reasons we're doing what we're doing in this series uh, are to make this more likely. 
So for the last, uh, this past week, and for the next three weeks following, we're doing these small group experiences. And I'd love it if everyone would take a, a chance at those, get a taste of it. I almost want to say they're not optional. Um, if you're a member of Artisan, you should get to at least one, maybe two. If you're checking things out and you're serious about seeing what life should be here, what the way of life at Artisan should be, man, that is a good high bandwidth way to do that. Because this right here, this Sunday morning thing, though it is beautiful and wonderful, it is a bit artificial. This doesn't exist a whole lot of other places. You know, we're a whole bunch of people that mostly agree with each other, just get together in a room and, uh, and just, you know, sing songs and tell stories and pray and go off into the world. That's, this is unusual. But doing life together, having conversations, challenging one another, which is what happens in that small group context, that's a lot closer real life. So the health issue of this, that's a great place to get a sense of how healthy you are. And it's even a great place to help others be healthy. We're going to do that for these first four weeks. And then for the second four weeks, we're going to get a lot closer to the get to work part. So you don't need to get to work tomorrow, though that'd be okay if you got some practice under your belt. But I'm warning you, it's coming. And for the second half of this series, we're going to do our journey together two, our first time ever, finally. It's been two years in the making, or two years in the procrastination, and now we're going to make it. Uh, and the subtitle is, of, the, of that is Finding Your Ministry. And so this idea of, of God making masterpieces It's not that they're mass-produced, but that each one is unique. And so in June, we're going to spend time. First couple weeks, we'll just be kind of deciding, you know, are you more of a a Pollock or a Van Gogh, you know, or a a Kincaid? (laughs) And those are all, God can use all those, I swear. Um, No, to find out how you're gifted, what you're sort of personality might be, and you all have one, despite what others may say, you know, what your passions are, what makes you come alive, because you like crunching numbers, and you're weird like that, and that's what you want to do. You like uh, serving the homeless, which is one of the ways we'll get to work in July. We're going to be doing that with Anna uh, Valeria Iceman leading that charge. So I just want to put that out there. And so here's what I'll leave you with. Two questions. With those things sort of in mind of where we're going, here's two questions that you can spend time with as you prepare your hearts and minds for perhaps approaching the communion table and for the rest of our time of worship. But with your square halo there, somewhat uh, looking like a frame, that's my first question. What frames your life? So we mentioned two kinds of frames. One, your life may still be framed by the problem. Those first three verses there of Ephesians chapter 2, where you're not fully alive, where you're still, you're just coasting the path of least resistance. And maybe you're finally getting sick of being like, quote unquote, everyone else. But you need to be honest that that's how your life is framed right now. 
Or maybe your life is framed in Christ, which could be a wonderful thing unless, you know, it's just an empty frame. And then you may have some things to deal with God with. Because again, he's not in the framing business. He's in the masterpiece business. And if all the pieces are there and you're not filling in the picture, let me use a big word, repent. You know? Just say you're sorry. Turn in a new direction. So answer that question for yourself. What frames your life? Is it still framed by the problem? Or is it starting to be framed by Christ? Maybe there's something to celebrate there or still some work to do. And then the final question that you can spend some time praying about and thinking about today and throughout this week is what good are you creating? To what extent are you a saintly artisan? And again, square halo, you know, all the sharp angles and pointy pieces, but nonetheless, making stuff happen. And I hope for some of you, you're encouraged. I know some of you guys make this world a better place. Others, you may feel a bit convicted about that one. And so I'm going to leave you to that, uh, because I can't convict you. Uh, Only the Spirit of God can do that. Uh, I also, you know, can't cheer you up a whole lot. I'll leave that to God as well. But these are two good questions that, with your square halo, uh, you may want to spend some time praying. And then I'd encourage you to, uh, to take this with you. Put it in your pocket where it will get all, all bent up and misshapen because it's not a circle and you're still here on earth. <laughs> or throw it there in the middle part in your car where all the other crap collects. Or you know, put it on your bathroom mirror. Someplace where you'll be reminded that you are called to be a saint in progress. Uh, a masterpiece. That God has some good work for you to do. And you should get to work. Sound good? Let's pray. So God, we, we thank you for your word and how it, uh, it doesn't mince words. It cuts right to the chase. Thank you that you let us know that there's a problem. So we're not oblivious to the fact that, that our relationship with you, apart from intervention, is broken. There's no life there. And that the work we do doesn't result in good unless you're giving it purpose. So thank you that you show us not only the problem, but you also enter the picture. That you are a God who sends, sends himself in the person and work of Jesus, sends your Holy Spirit to make us alive as well, and then sends us to do the good works you've prepared in advance to be our way of life. And so as we reflect and spend this time in prayer, help us better understand what frames our life and what good we're actually creating. Both encourage and challenge us in those areas we need it. And then, remind us that it's not on us to get it all fixed anyways, that it's your grace that makes it possible. And as imperfect people with square halos you know, barely hanging on sometimes, call us to your table of grace. Your table that symbolizes the Missio Dei. That in Christ, in his broken body, as we tear the bread, 
And in his shed blood, as we dip it in the wine and the juice, that is what frames everything. That is what completes the picture. And that is the masterpiece that we are to model ourselves after. And so bring us to your table as well when we're ready. And give us grace there, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been the Artisan Church Podcast. To receive future podcasts, go to www.artisanchurch.com slash podcast or subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for listening.